Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hey there, my friend. Today on the show, I'm going to share a little something that drives me crazy. Maybe it drives you crazy too. (laughs) Plus, not just that. We're not just going to talk about what drives me crazy, but we're going to talk about how you can get plugged into a community that can give you access to free accommodations around the world. I'm so excited to bring you today's interview on that topic and a shout out to one of you lovely souls in the Zero to Travel listening community, this worldwide caravan. So without further ado, I think we have a lot to cover, so we got to get into it right now. (laughs) Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. And it feels like travel is opening up a little bit. And that's an exciting thing, at least locally. I mean, you can certainly walk, bike, uh, ride your unicycle, (laughs) get in your car maybe, and uh, take a road trip. I know a lot of people aren't traveling overseas yet, but it seems like it's starting to happen. It's interesting times for sure. So I have been really excited just to keep bringing you more travel content, even though we are in the middle of an ongoing pandemic situation. Let's not get discouraged. Let's keep those travel hopes and dreams alive. And I've got something super useful for you today. Like I said at the top, we're going to talk about a community out there that can allow you to exchange your home for free so you can get free accommodations around the world. And uh, I was really excited to bring on the CEO of this company. We have an exciting announcement at the end of this show. And this kind of got me thinking, you know, I don't bring a lot of CEOs and sort of app founders and people like this on the podcast. I get a lot of emails and requests for it, but I'd say 98 or 99% of the stuff is not relevant to you. It's not something that can really help you travel the world or at least be something that can contribute to your travel experience in a positive way. But that's the complete opposite in this case, because this is uh, a community that's out there, home exchange, that can allow you to exchange your home and get free accommodations around the world. So you're going to hear how that all works 
and maybe even bust some myths. You know, do you have to own a home to uh, to exchange one and take advantage of this community and be a part of it? I should say. Well, you might be surprised at the answer to that question, and we're going to dig into all this. <laughs> one of the things that um, I was excited about with uh, this organization, not only can it open up some more travel for you, but they seem to be doing things in the right way. It's community driven and they make it easy for you to participate. And I like that because this is what I was alluding to at the top of the show. Something that drives me crazy is when companies make things so difficult. I don't know about you, but I had some travel plans before COVID hit and getting my money back on these flights that I haven't taken is quite the ordeal. It's quite the ordeal. I'm dealing with SAS right now. You know, if, if you opt for a voucher, they'll give it to you pretty quickly. But if you want a refund, they have to process the case and it takes like four to six weeks and there's nobody you can talk to. So I'm um, sure some of you are going through this process yourself, maybe with some travel plans or something else. You know, whatever. I feel you. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I, what I what drives me crazy is when companies make things difficult for their customers. You know, gyms are notorious for this, right? I'll get off my soapbox in a second. <laughs> but gyms are notorious for this. They'll uh, make you sign some kind of long-term contract. Or if you just say, hey, you know what? I'm taking off to travel for a few months. Can I just pause my membership and I'll join when I come back? It's usually a no-go with gyms. Uh, it's just make it hard, generally speaking. And I like when people keep things easy and they really think about it from the customer's side and saying, all right, well, what's what's the easiest way for somebody to kind of participate in this? And if they no longer want it just to cancel or how can we serve these, these customers or clients or whatever better? So anyway, I just encourage you, if you're uh, running a business or thinking about running one, <laughs> you know, just make it easy easy policies. And, you know, that was another reason why um, I was excited to have uh, Emmanuel on because they do make it easy and they do seem to be very much on the community side in terms of their business model for exchanging homes. So anyway, dig into this show. You can learn about how you can exchange your home for free accommodations around the world and also special announcement at the end, plus a discount code for listeners to take advantage of this if it's something that's a fit for you and your future or near future travel. So there you have it. One last thing. This interview was actually recorded before COVID-19 hit. So we talked just yesterday at the time of recording this, which is the, the same week that I'm putting this out, to do an updated segment at the end all about COVID. It's, it's very short. It's 10 minutes or less. And they talk about some of the policies they have in place to make sure guests are safe and the community is safe and how that all plays into what's going on, cancellation policies and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to make you aware if this conversation sounds a little out of date in the beginning, it's because it was recorded pre-COVID. That's why we didn't address it because it didn't exist. But uh, we did record an additional segment so we could talk specifically about that and how that plays in if this is something that you decide to get involved with, you want to start exchanging your home for accommodations, you're going to learn how it works today. And then you're going to get the COVID side of it in a short segment right after our interview. So now let's dig into it and stick around on the other side. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this listening community. Thanks so much for being here. And please enjoy the interview, my friend. 
We all know that one of the biggest expenses when it comes to travel are your accommodations. So what if you didn't have to pay for a place to stay anywhere in the world? Imagine how much more traveling you could do. My guest today is the CEO of Home Exchange, a platform that unites a global community of people who exchange their homes easily and without any money changing hands. They have over 400,000 homes available in 187 countries around the world that you can stay in. Today, we're going to dig into how it all started, how it works, and find out if this is something that you can use to help you travel the world. So, Emmanuel Arnault, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me on the show. Please tell me I pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> that was perfect. If yes! you want, I can give you the, the French way, Emmanuel Arnault. But okay, uh, yeah. Emmanuel Arnault. That was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, my French is uh, non-existent. How many how many languages do you speak? I speak fluently English and French and uh, German, and I understand um, some Italian and, uh, and Spanish. And if you want, I can also turn the French accent on. I can speak with a French accent without any problem, or I can speak with an American accent. So it's so, very so convenient. <laughs> nice. Uh, somebody who just spent a good chunk of time trying to learn Norwegian where I live in Norway and I still don't have it down. I, I greatly admire those that can hold that many languages in their heads. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, seems like to be the European way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and also I think, you know, you have two kids um, and you might be bringing them up in a bilingual home. That was sort of my case when I, when I grew up. I, my mother was of Italian or is of Italian origin and we lived in the U.S. as a kid. And so when from a very young age you start learning a second language, it's easier to add a third or a fourth. Yeah, that's true. I already, my, my goal right now is just to stay one step ahead of my kids because at some point they're going to be able to start talking about me like right in front of me behind my back, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> that I can't tolerate. <laughs> what part of Italy is your mother from? She's from the Lakes region. So, you know, there's um, Lago Maggiore, Lago Cuomo, and so uh, there's a little village called Canobbio on the, the Lago Maggiore. It's right on the border with, uh, with uh, Switzerland. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful region. Where did you grow up in the USA? Uh, because, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, give me the whole background on where you were living as you were growing up. Were you just in the States? Were you bouncing around a little bit? How did that go? I was mainly in, in France, um, except the, for three years between one-year-old and four-year-old where I was living um, right next to Washington um, in a small town called Arnold in Maryland, I'm not very far from Annapolis. So that's uh, English is the first language I, I learned. Um, I was raised on Sesame Street. The U.S. is a very uh, dear country to my heart. And then you went back to France. And where did you grow up in France? I was in the Paris um, suburbs. Suburbs. In uh, Boulogne-Biancourt. That's where the French Open is, you know, Roland-Garros. Um, so that's in Boulogne-Biancourt. Okay. So how did you like growing up in more of a metropolitan area like that? I loved it. Um, I was lucky enough to have um, a home where my parents liked to welcome a lot of people from around the world. So we had like an extra bedroom where when I was um, really small, there was like a no pair who'd, who'd help me with my English so that I didn't lose my English. And then as I grew a little bit older, we had like students coming from all around the world. So, so that was um, really nice to to be in a um, place that attracts people from all around the world and, and Paris is, is a very cosmopolitan area and so I, I think I've always li loved to meet people from all around the world and then just living there was, was really great uh, I, I enjoyed the city life um, though I must say now I'm, I'm raising my kids in the US I, I live in the Boston area 
And it's great to be much more in touch with nature. That, that's a big thing that, that misses and that's not great in, in Paris is that it's very, you know, buildings and beautiful avenues and cafes and all and whatnot, but there's not like Central Park and it's all a bit hard to get outside of the city to, to go on a stroll or to go to the beach um, as you can in, in Boston, for instance. I and mean, we have that in Oslo. It's so close to nature and it's nice to, even though it's a city, it's kind of nice to be able to hop on a public transportation and get a little bit of that nature. But I mean, I guess in the French countryside, yeah. it's so funny because I mean, that's a place that a lot of Americans would like to go. You know, uh, France is very romanticized, I think, in America in terms of like a travel yeah. destination. If I was going to be visiting France next week or you were talking to somebody from the U.S. that was going to be visiting France for the first time, what would be, you know, a couple of the things they absolutely need to do and maybe a couple of the places that you think they should visit that are not maybe the typical places that people think. The, the typical places. I, I like the fact that you're asking for the not typical places because I, I really think that today we were sort of suffering from over-tourism in a number of destinations and for each to find his own or her own and go to the place that's right for them is, is um, really great. So uh, coming from Paris, of course, I'm going to mention Paris and I could give you um, you know, my, my secret places in Paris, but Paris um, is, is just a beautiful city with so many things to do. I really like the Basque country. So the Basque country is on the border with Spain. It's actually, you know, partially in Spain, partially in France. It's really a country uh, with its own culture, its own language, its own history. Um, and that's where you're going to have um, beautiful sea with um, great surfing. So, um, for instance, the, the, the world... Um, surfing, I don't know if it's cup or championship, has um, usually a stop in Biarritz, um, so that Biarritz is, is in the Basque country. And then there's the Pyrenees, which is a chain of mountains where you can do a lot of hiking. I, I hiked across the Pyrenees on a, on a sort of like, you know, the, the PCT you guys have in the U.S. Um, well, there's the, the GR, they, they call it the Chemin de Grande Randonnée, so um, G is big and uh, Randonnée is, is trekking, I guess, or hiking, so big hikes. And then there's great food. Um, you know, I'm, I'm French, so I really value food. Um, amazing cheese, and, and and the people are really nice. So I really like the Basque country. Um, there's Brittany. There, there's a lot of things to do in France. Tell me about this hike a little bit, because I'm a big hiker, and I'm quasi obsessed with doing one of these long distance trails, particularly well, particularly the AT in the U.S. Just because I don't know, it's just such a um, iconic trail right uh, with the culture around it too but also i i do have uh, the urge to do one in europe and i like this idea of i don't know if the, this trail is like this where you're kind of like hiking through villages in between like what's what's the exactly. trail like how long is it what what's the experience like well the, the most famous trail in europe you know is um hiking to um uh santiago de compostela i don't, I don't know the english um name for it you know saint jacques yeah. de compostela Yep, the Camino de Santiago. It's like a pilgrimage. Yeah, the Camino de Santiago. There's a number of them. And so those hikes are um, pretty traffic, but they're great because people have been doing them for so long that there's a lot of um, very interesting, you know, churches to visit, villages that were sort of born around those Caminos um, with, you know, great things to see, great food, great hotels or great campsites. So so that those are really nice. And um, then in France, there's um, in every region, there's what you have, the, the, those GR, um, Chemin de Grande Randonnée. They all have a number. So the one I did is the GR10. Um, there's one very famous 
I said Corsica, which is a GR20, which is supposedly one of the most demanding ones. There's also one on the uh, Lille de la Réunion, so which is in the French overseas territory. And so the GR10 um, starts basically on the sea. Um, so, so the Pyrenees is like across from going from uh, west to east from the Atlantic Ocean to the Mediterranean. And it's the border between France and Spain. And so basically there's, there's a path where you start on one sea, and that's a GR10, and you end up in the Mediterranean. And so I did probably like a third of that, and it's really um, a, a great trip. I did the, the Basque part, and then the Ariège, and then I didn't go all the way to, uh, to the Mediterranean. And there's a lot of diversity in the kind of landscape you're gonna see. There's some places where it's um, pretty remote. There's some places where there, there's villages that you go through and that you can sort of visit. There's a lot of um, mountain lakes, and you, know, you can um, one day you know, take a train, and go to a train stop and take a little bus and walk a bit and you know uh, right behind the, the gas station there's a, the beginning of the trail and so you were you know in civilization and you did that like at 7 a.m and when you're you're, you're pitching your tent at, at, at 7 p.m you're you know alone in front of a magnificent lake with you know nobody but uh um, a, a few, um, uh, I'm going to say groundhog, but it's not the word I'm looking for. One of those animals you have in, in the mountains. And so basically yeah, you can be in the wilderness, even though you woke up in Paris at, at like um, early in the morning. So, so it's right. right. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I mean, those are some of those travel days like that, where you just have such an extreme diversity in the experiences you have within a day, right? It almost stretches yeah, time. Totally. It's like, it's just like, I, yeah. I mean, I've been in those situations where you're just like, I can't believe we were here. I get that when I'm flying too. It's like, I can't believe this morning I was eating breakfast at my home and now I'm looking at the Roman Coliseum or whatever the case is. You know, it's always kind of mind blowing. And I like to think about it as a, as a lesson for when you're leading your life. You know, like sometimes you wake up, you know, it's raining, your, your um, sleeping bag is wet. You have to un- unpitch the tent when it's like just pouring outside because you're lacking food or whatever. And it's like the most miserable morning in your life, and you're you think you know life is not worth being lived um, if it's going to be so wet. And then you're like five hours later, you're in a different valley. The sun is there, and you're having like this amazing encounter, whether with with like a wild horse or with a person or just a beautiful landscape. And it it's really great to you know when when sometimes you're in a storm in your personal life to to remember that that sometimes it can happen and and things can change a lot quicker than what you think they can. And it, it's very hard to imagine sunshine when you're under the, the rain. It, it can be just around the corner. What was your travel experience growing up? I mean, you mentioned that your mom was, or your, I guess your parents were opening the home quite a bit to foreign travelers. And uh, so you had that experience. But also, I, I'm curious if you had your own travel experiences as a family or when kind of your passion for travel developed. So yeah, we, we did have our experiences as a family. So my grandmother had her her sort of family house on the Lago Maggiore. Um, so I'd go spend uh, two weeks every summer um, with my Italian cousins and the family and, and um, discover that, that culture. Even though it's pretty close to the French culture, um, it still is different and um, there's amazing food to, to be had. And, you know, uh, gelatos or gelati was um, something I, I, I'd love to have. And then we would go back to the U.S. where we had lived because we had made some friends there. And then we did a, a few trips um, so to the Basque country and then to Spain, which is not very far when you're traveling from France. Something that, that's you know very different between France and the U.S. is um, 
I didn't realize how big the U.S. is as a country. Like the, the other day, I had to go from to from Boston to San Francisco, and so I think it was like a six-hour um, uh, plane um, flight, and I was like, I can't believe I'm still in the same country. Like, it, it takes more time to do to do that than to fly from Paris to Moscow. I think it's like four and a half hours, and you've you've already you know flown over like I don't know like twenty countries. So, so um, that's one of the nice things in, in Europe that there's like so many small countries that you can easily go to Switzerland or to the UK or to you know the Netherlands. Um, so, so we did all of that um, with, with my family, and then I did um, one longer trip to um, Ceylon, to Sri Lanka. So those were were my trips when I was like um, following my parents, and then when I was older and, and sort of coming into my own. I think the most meaningful trip for, for me was um, I took two months off right after I got I graduated from my college um, and before I started to um, work to go to backpack in Mongolia and that was a lot of fun. Really? Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, we can't just great. gloss over that quickly. <laughs> like, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> what happened in <laughs> Mongolia? I mean, what's what's the backpacking experience in Mongolia like? It's a country I've always wanted to visit. Oh, it's it's really um, great. So I went with a very good friend who's American, actually, whom I had met when I was a little kid um, in the U.S. So I had some backpacking experience from from those um, hikes in France, but nothing similar to to what we did in Mongolia. And it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful country. With I don't know, the, the sky seems bigger than it is um, in in Europe or in the U.S. And it's uh, maybe I, I haven't been everywhere in the U.S. So I know it's a very big country with also amazing skies, but you know we can see like very, very, very far, and there's no building. There's just like a maybe a old mountain ridge um, that you can see in, in, in a huge distance, and the sky is just blue with like clouds, amazing, and all over you, um, all around you. It's just like beautiful, beautiful. And then you you have encounters with local people who just have a very different way of living. You know, there's there are nomads. There's um, wild horses everywhere. There's a um, plague. We had to um, to um, change our itinerary because there was a plague outbreak. So that, that was something like for me, which was completely medieval. I didn't even know that plague still still like existed. Like the actual plague from medieval times. Like the actual plague, yeah, from yeah, medieval wow. times. And uh, we hiked, met some amazing people. Um, had great days. Were drenched by the rain. We got robbed by the police. We I don't know. It was, it was like an adventure, and and it, it was um, uh, great. Yeah, I just finished um, reading um, Wild. You know the, yeah. the memoir. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I really like. I, I couldn't quote it um, off the top of my head, but I really like the way that she phrases it at the end. That it's really difficult to put in words what you take away from such trips but you know that it's there and that it's changed you mm-hmm. in some way and so i think when i started that trip i really wanted like i want answers to some of my questions of whether i should break up with my girlfriend or not or which i do with my life and that kind of thing and at the end of of the trip i wasn't i didn't have any answers to any of the questions i was asking but i just felt better um and and more at peace i guess well, I love that quote you brought up because that's a, you know that's the challenge here. I'm all, you know it's always trying to put words to these experiences and how do you do that? Yeah, I've never heard it quite put that way in the sense that yeah, like for travel or people that want to travel, and then you go and have an adventure like that to be able to just be at peace with everything, even if the situation's the same. You know that uh, saying wherever you go, there you are. I mean that's one hundred percent truth, right? 
But mm-hmm. when you take yourself on a trip and then you come back, I've definitely had that experience too, where it's just been like, all right, well, yeah, I still have some of these situations that I haven't quite figured out, but it's just, everything feels better. <laughs> you just like, yeah, you have some kind totally. of new outlook and how do, how do you describe that? You know? I like the word of being at peace. Like that, that's actually how I felt. It's uh, none of the problems have gone away. Like I haven't solved anything, but it's, <laughs> it's okay. Like it's, it's okay. What did your parents do? Uh, my mom t- took care of my uh, two sisters and me. And uh, my dad was a headhunter for chateaus, so for wine. Um, so, you know, trying to fight, find the right person to replace the manager of this um, chateau in, the, um, in France and in, uh, in uh, Spain, Italy, in the U.S. Hmm. Yeah, I was just wondering because uh, I was reading through some of your bio on LinkedIn and I mean, I saw as a student, you co-founded a company that specialized in sustainable insulation solutions in Pakistan. And I'm imagining this is obviously still a sole passion of yours, but sustainable development as a passion, where did that come from? So I was doing a business school and I think I was studying at a business school. So in France, the, the studies are a bit different from the US. You don't do like an undergrad for four years. You, you sort, of, sort of specialize um, uh, earlier. So right after I graduated from high school, basically you had two years of prep school, but you've already chosen for what kind of school you're prepping. So you're, if you're, you know, if you want to go into French literature, you're going to do go a different um, prep school than if you're going to uh, engineering or, or business school or whatever, or doctor. Um, and so I was sort of going to business school because I didn't really know what to do, but it seemed like a fulfilling call to try to make more money out of money or, or to sell stuff to people. And I had a class about uh, corporate social responsibility and sustainable development. And so we're in a 2000, I think we're in the year 2000. So it's pretty early in the movement around those, those ideas, at least in France. And so I got an internship in the first consultancy in France that specialized in those topics where there was like, you know, three employees and I was the intern. Um, so we were really a small team, but it really, opened my, my eyes to the fact that, you know, you can pursue to some extent a greater good or try to, you know, be part of the solution rather than the problem that you're seeing in the world today while using the efficiency of being a company to do that. Um, and so, so that's the first time I really got in touch with that idea. And then after that, I worked for three years in a um, French bank, which is something very French. I don't think you would have the same... Um, in the U.S., it's sort of like a government bank making loans to companies who are building low-income housing. In France, one person out of six is in a social housing of some sort. And so there's a lot of companies out there building them. Um, you know, um, uh, I don't know how you call them, like uh, not real estate, yeah, real estate, like the, the people who are actually building the, the building. Um, and basically, we, we launched the first loan um, to these people that was based on the energy efficiency of the building, basically, if they were doing something that would be the French equivalent of LEED certified, they would get a lower rate on their um, on their loan. And I was also working on um, what's called carbon finance, which is, you know, in, in France, there was like a quota trading scheme for carbon emissions um, that was part of the Kyoto Protocol. And so basically, I was on all those sustainable development themes. And then I went to the Kennedy School um, here in, in uh, Cambridge um, to try to dig deeper in this idea that, you know, you can serve the public good 
um, by creative ways, also using the, the efficiency of being a company. And that's when I started that, that company with um, some, some friends. Um, we took a class called Developmental Entrepreneurship that they have at MIT, which is really great. It's like, okay, it's very laid back, like you're sitting in couches and all that, and there's like a guy who sort of looks like Ben and Jerry, like the, the faces they have on the, on the ice cream <laughs> lid. <laughs> And who says, okay, we're going to, the, the class is we're going to start a business. So you're going to put together a business plan over the course of, of the class. But it has to be a business that tackles a um, challenge in a developing country. And that challenge has to affect at least a billion people or else, you know, you don't qualify. And, and that's something very American for me. Like in France, you're going to try to start something that affects like 10 people and, and you know, your teachers are going to explain to you why it's not going to work. Whereas there it was like, you know, think big, you know, try to dream. And so all the companies, like, you know, of course, most of the students didn't start companies afterwards, but all of the ideas that they were working on were things like, you know, access to drinkable water, um, health, how do you use, you know, cell phones to be able to take pictures of your eyes and detect, you know, remotely if there's there's a cataract on, on your eye or all these kinds of really cool ideas touching, you know, basic things such as, you know, food, water, air quality, um, energy, um, health um, for a lot of people. And, and, and so, yeah, but I, I, I put it on my bio in LinkedIn because I'm really proud and I really care about this project, um, the, this company called Honsta, but I, I can't take much credit for it. I mean, I was a student, I, I did a field trip to Pakistan where we um, installed um, with my two other co-founders the, the product in a number of homes and we, we monitored the impact and all that, but I quickly realized that, you know, I didn't speak any Urdu. I, I, I wasn't of much value in the project because it had to be led by uh, my Pakistani friend and, and uh, um, her connection. So, and so it became a Pakistani um, company. But for me, it was, um, it was a great experience. It's powerful to think about how an intention, like the one that you mentioned, the, the professor laid out, it's kind of like, all right, like the, as the starting point, your your solution has to solve a problem that affects what do you say a billion people that's yeah that's how they frame that and I yeah that, that I... I mean that just creates a different way of thinking immediately i'm just <laughs> thinking about your history and some of the things you've described in your experiences kind of having having people into your home when you were younger and the travel experiences you've had and then you know, kind of this, you know, thinking big and, and getting this passion for sustainability and kind of trying to solve some problems or be the change as a, as they would say, mm -hmm. totally. kind of all blended together into what it is that you're doing now. I mean, I'm just wondering if your core values as not just as a traveler, but as a human, how, how they align with what you're doing right now in home exchange. I mean, you can give people the background on kind of how it started for you. Cause I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I do think I'm very lucky to be working on a project that I deeply care about and that really um, resonates with my values. But I don't want to give the impression that I've I've got it all figured out. Or, or I mean, it's, it's complicated. You know, as I think any of us, like the world today is really complicated, and being able to you know derive revenue. Um, from a, a, a thing where you're 100% aligned in terms of values is really a challenge for everybody. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, that, I, that I feel very comfortable with what I'm doing, but it, it's, it's a very complicated topic. And, and I keep on thinking of the things that we could be doing better or more. And, and you know, 
Um, in any case, uh, talking about the the story of the beginning. So after that experience launching that that first like sort of bottom of the pyramid um, type of uh, a venture around insulation in Pakistan for for low income people in Pakistan, um, I came back to France, worked in um, renewable energy for an American company um, who was doing um, solar panels for three years. But I knew I wanted to start another business that. Um, I wanted to give it a try, and I really like this idea of being an entrepreneur and you know trying to um, find a solution to a problem that that you know hasn't been around. And so in that way, um, there's probably something around the ego in there that you know you 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 leave your mark. But there's also this this genuinely altruistic thing of of um, trying to to be part of the of the solutions of the world's problems and not you know be selling another plastic widget that that's going to end up in a trash can and so i knew i wanted to be an entrepreneur and i had a friend actually who told me about home exchange that he was doing home exchange and i had heard of the concept because my parents when i was a kid did a home exchange for um part they did a long-term home exchange for part of when i was uh, when we were living in the u.s but they never used it as a vacation um, they, they just did a home exchange like the first year that they were living in the U.S. And so there was a friend of mine who was telling me about how he was using vacation. So I really loved the concept and I joined um, immediately. And I tried to organize a, an exchange between Paris and Florence in Italy for December 31st, 2010. So you know, two very touristic cities at a moment where everybody is traveling. Um, and I could not organize that exchange. I contacted maybe 80 people, but like a lot of them wouldn't answer. Um, some of them, you know, they, there was not a calendar tool on the website I was using, so um, their home wasn't available. And some of them, their home was available, but um, they were not interested in coming to Paris. And so I, I really sensed that the concept of home exchange was amazing, uh, and I, it really um, resonated very, very strongly with me. But that the way it was put in place was not um, was not satisfactory. Well, why did it resonate so strongly with you? Because you could have started a lot of different types of businesses. Like, what was it about this? I think I really very strongly believe in hospitality as a value. You know, when you um, travel Mongolia, for instance, um, there's there's a thing where you can uh, um, walk up to any yurt, which they call ger over there, um, and they will, you know, you'll just Come in, sit down, and they'll start, you know, preparing the the chai over there, so the tea with salt, and then serve you a meal and let you sleep in there, um, there without any problem because it's just like, it it's a country of nomads with where many people have been needing to, you know, cross the country without knowing where they would sleep, and so you know the the guest uh, you should you know welcome them without any questions asked. It's just an accepted and part I, of the culture. Exactly. It's totally part of the culture. And I think it's true in, in a, a lot of cultures. If you go to Kerala in India, um, they have a saying over there, which is like, guests are like God. And they really, um, they really welcome you very well. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, just this idea of being able to welcome people from around the world is something that I, I care deeply about. Um, and I think I was also very excited by the potential of the idea of being global. Well, like if you think about it, um, what companies out there are putting in play, uh, putting in contact individuals to be sharing something at a global level, 
Um, I, not that many. I mean, there's amazing global companies, you know, selling a lot of stuff to a lot of people in different countries, but putting people in touch to be sharing something as intimate as their home is really an idea I find beautiful. And the idea that it will help people travel more, that it will help people discover places, travel like a local, and, and you know, opening up their doors, which, which I think are all very good values that, that the world needs more of, um, are, I don't know, it captured my imagination, and I guess it still does. Um, so, so that's why I, I launched into, uh, into Home Exchange. And, and then, you know, I, I had a business background, so I, I did look whether it made sense for me to quit my job and, and to look into that. And at that time, the big player in um, shared accommodation in France was not Airbnb, I had never heard of them, but it was a, a company called Couchsurfing, which I'm sure you're, you're, you're familiar with, which is, yeah, okay. And, and so Couchsurfing had something like in 2011, five million members, and Home Exchange, um, the company I was a member of, um, had 50,000 members. So I was thinking, okay, the, the potential is not there. Like, uh, the, the, the potential is there, I'm sorry, but the execution is not there, because Couchsurfing, is very difficult for families um, and a lot of people um, when they're traveling as a couple like to have some intimacy. So they're, you know, Couchsurfing is sort of a harder sell, but there's 5 million members on it. Whereas, you know, Home Exchange, which is for anybody who wants some intimacy during their, their travel or who has kids. Um, so a much wider demographic is only 50,000 people. And so maybe just for your audience to understand, I was a member of a company called Home Exchange and then I created a competitor that competitor was pretty successful, and we acquired a number of companies, including Home Exchange, so the company of which I was a member, and we rebranded everything Home Exchange. So, so that's why I'm talking about Home Exchange as existing before I created it. Um, the company I, I created had had a different story. Um, so uh, I hope I'm not making things too complicated. But uh, <laughs> just no, no, that, that's okay. And I mean, I want to get into how this all works because I know people that are listening are wondering, all right, like maybe this is something that I can use to help me travel, as you mentioned. And and we can talk about also how that can enhance your travels in terms of having maybe more authentic experiences and living like a local and, and that type of stuff. But first, it, it would be cool to just kind of paint the simple picture, maybe, maybe through a story like what happens when a home is exchanged. And, and like, I guess in part of that, can you include, do you have to own a home to exchange a home. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, uh, of course. Well, a good um, point of reference for many people in the U.S. is the movie The Holiday, because maybe many people have seen it, where um, two women, one based in L.A. and the other one based in around London, exchange homes for their vacation, and they find love. So that's basically what we do. You're not guaranteeing, um, we, we, right? You're not guaranteeing the love part, right? No, we're not guaranteeing. Okay, it. all right. But, but it, it does happen with our website also. <laughs> I mean, the idea is really simple. The basic idea is so simple that you know it's very easy to explain to your children. For instance, it's like when we are traveling, we are not home, and we need a home to go to. And you know, there might be other people in the home uh, whose home is going to be available, and who would like to travel to our home. So why would we all pay hotels or rentals or what whatnot um, when we could all stay in each other's home. So, so, so the basic principle I think is, is very, very easy to understand. Um, one of the tweaks we added to the concept was that um, I realized, you know, when I was contacting those members from Florence that some of them were open to letting me stay in their home, but they were not open to coming to Paris just because they did, that was not their next tra- trip um, desire. 
And so what we have on the website is a point system so that, you know, if I wanted to come to Norway, I could contact you, Jason, and say, hey, Jason, look at my home. Like, uh, um, I'd be more than happy to to host you in my home. And I really want to come to Norway and your home looks fantastic. Do you want to do an exchange? And you can easily say, oh, no, sorry, I'm not interested. Or you can say, yeah, sure, I'd be interested to do a reciprocal exchange. So, you know, I'd be coming to your house, you'd be coming to mine. And those are a bit more difficult to organize because, you know, the likelihood that you want to come to Boston when I want to come to Norway is a bit, it's more of a, a tricky to find a perfect match, basically. Yeah, you have to find the same exact dates and everything. Yeah, exactly. And then the third, the third option is for you to just answer, you know what, my home is available at these dates because... I've already got a trip plan. I'm visiting my in-laws or, you know, uh, whatever. Um, so you can stay at my home and you'll give me points. And with those points, I'll go somewhere else. So, you know, taking example from my personal life, um, spring break 2019, I went to Charleston um, in a home where I gave guest points to the host. Um, I also had her um, deliver a bunch of flowers because we didn't meet. So often we meet people, but when we don't, we try to make gifts because we're, we're staying for free and we're... I'm very grateful for for staying there. I mean, it's not you're not renting. Your your the framework is really as if you were um, welcoming a friend. So you, you give gifts. You you take very good care of the home. It, it's very different from you know I paid for this. So I I I'm entitled to that. Um, and while I was in that home in um, Charleston, I had a family from uh, Quebec, um, from Montreal, who came down. So we were all going sort of down to go get some sun, but they were coming from Montreal to Boston, and I was going going from Boston to Charleston. Um, and that person from Charleston, you know, had my points and um, she maybe went to California. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but that's the way it works. The point system was a stroke of genius. <laughs> <laughs> well done, because uh, well, um, that was the biggest challenge. I'm sure people are thinking, you know, like they do with, uh, I mean, I'm not comparing you guys to like some of the other services like Airbnb or anything because you're different. But maybe some of the same concerns apply in terms of like having somebody come into your home. What do you guys do in terms of like mitigating risk? You know, what kind of incidents may or may not occur or maybe had or I mean, just talk more about the community aspect and, and how it works on that level. Sure. So I'm, I'm delighted to you know, talk about our guarantees, our policies and, and our incident rate and all that, which are all very reassuring. But um, maybe the most important aspect of it is that we are a community of like-minded people where you know everybody in the community is a guest and a host so you meet you might be a guest and a host to the same person if you know i'm doing an exchange with you and you're coming to my house or i might be welcoming you and being a guest of somebody else you know i'm going to brazil or wherever um so in the fact that everybody's on both sides of the equation um changes the relationship because there's this idea that you know we're all going to respect each other's homes and it's going to work well and there's also the fact that there's no money involved i think that you know human interactions when there's no money involved are a lot simpler and a lot more kind i guess than when there's money involved because um the second you know i start paying for something uh the question in my mind is like did i get enough you know bang for my buck did was it worth it and so I'm going to behave as a customer in your home. I'm going to, I don't know, uh, walk away with the with the shampoo bottle because uh, I feel entitled to it, and that's what happens in hotels. Or I'll 
if there's any small problem with your home, uh, with your home, I'll complain because I deserve the perfect experience because I paid for it. And similarly, if I'm trying to make money out of my home, I'll tell you that there's this amazing view on the Eiffel Tower, or at least I might be tempted to tell you that there's a, this amazing view on the <laughs> Eiffel Tower, where you really need to, you know, um, climb on a stool and, and, and sort of peek through. Uh, yeah, if you have like a mirror that you're hanging out the window, like they do in those jail yeah, exactly. cells, then maybe you can <laughs> yeah. see it, right? <laughs> maybe you can see it, exactly. And, and so you're going tend to oversell your home because it's just like an asset you're trying to make money out of. And, and in a number of cases on the rental websites, it's just, that's what it is. It's not a place where people live. It's just an asset that, that that's making money. So the experience is completely different on home exchange because A, nobody makes money off of the system. So nobody invests in properties just to have home exchanges. They're, they're always in a real home, whether it's a primary home or a secondary home will, will depend, but it's always a real home of somebody. Um, and also the type of relationship is very different. I mean, it, it's, it's also comic. It's almost comical when you read the messages between our members and, and, you know, if you ever do a home exchange, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll experience this. Like, okay, you're, you're not going to say my, my house is amazing and it's, and it's incredible. You're going to say, okay, I'm really sorry. I wanted to let you know. Sometimes, I don't know, the, 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 the second floor, um, bathroom can leak. So, um, you might want to, um, close the faucet. But apart from that, I, I hope you'll have a good time. And I left a bottle of wine for you to be happy. I mean, the way you welcome people and the way you behave into the home of people when they're welcoming you out of kindness is very, very different from the way you do when it's a commercial interaction. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think to, to a large extent, it's also linked to education. Um, um, the way you raise your kids and the way you were raised as a kid is like, you know, if there's a kid coming to to your home and you were a kid, your, your parents would tell you to, to share the toys and, and, you know, your ability to share what you have and to make sure that they have something to drink or to eat for, for a snack or whatever is, is, um, very important to who you are as a person. Um, and you know, if you have guests, if you have friends over for dinner and they're not having a good time for you, it's, it's, it's an issue. It's, even though there's no money at stake, there's like your identity at stake. Um, your ability to entertain and to, to be a good host, I guess. And so, so I think it's a bit, basically a much more powerful driver than money to make sure that there's a good experience. Yeah, that's a totally different approach. I mean, just when you laid it out that way, it makes total sense that that's, uh, uh, yeah, different. Yeah. I'll tell you about my, my personally, my, my best home exchange experience. Um, so I've been on, I'd say close to 40 home exchanges now. Um, and, and the one I like the most in terms of home exchange experience is not, you know, when I stayed in a sort of palace in Marrakesh with a pool, you know, over there palaces are called Riyadh. So I was in a, in a Riyadh with a swimming pool. I had like sort of organized exchange for my, my wife's 35th birthday and it was like uh, amazing. And, that, and, and so we did some very nice exchanges and very nice homes, but those, that's not the one where I felt the best, like the one where I felt the best, where it was, I, I was in Paris, uh, my home was in Paris, and I had welcomed a family from Spain. And so when we come back, so the home is, is spotless as it always is, um, and there was a note um, from the family with um, uh, two homemade uh, jams, um, two homemade syrups, and a little book about castles. And they said, dear Emmanuel and Laura, Laura being my wife, um, thank you so much for this vacation. Um, in your house. Um, our children told us it was the best vacation that they'd ever had in their lives. 
and they insisted for us to buy for your kids this little book about, you know, like the knights and castles, um, to thank them for having shared their toys for a week. And that, that, you know, made me feel like a great human being. Like, honestly, to me, it hadn't been much of an effort. Like, I wasn't there in my home. I just let them stay in my home and they, they you know, take good care of my home and they even left me some gifts. And I felt like I had, you know, made it possible for that family to have a great vacation time. But also they made me realize that we were, to some extent, you know, educating the next generation about sharing and, and you know, traveling. And that, that was sort of priceless to make me feel that way, I guess. That's a really nice story. And I mean, just from everything you described, it sounds like you guys don't really consider yourself part of the sharing economy. I, mean, I know you wrote a, a piece on share, the sharing economy. It was like called the sharing economy. Let's get real. I mean, what are your thoughts on on that? And and let, uh, let's tie it back in with hospitality too, because, or I, I'm sorry, I should say tying it in with uh, the travel experience. You kind of touched on this being maybe a more authentic way of traveling in some regard or you know, maybe get a little more of the local experience. I really want to learn more about uh, some of the experiences that you've had and your members have had um, in terms of sure. that. Okay, um, so, so those are a lot of questions. So about the sharing economy, yeah, it was sort of my, my pet peeve at, at some point to try to have a battle to reclaim the word sharing <laughs> because I feel that um, a lot of, basically everybody, <laughs> a lot of journalists and commentators and all that, um, ascribe the word sharing economy to an economy that's all about renting. And so that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because for me, sharing is a very important value. And so, you know, if I let you come into my house and you are paying me, well, that's not really sharing, that's renting. And that's so, so the you know, renting that's, economy is more appropriate, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that article I wrote was trying to reclaim um, the word sharing for, for the quote-unquote real sharing economy. Right. But um, I, I think it's a battle I've lost, and, and I'll just have to, you know... I mean, at some point, you know, people were saying that Uber is the sharing economy, you know, and our Airbnb. I mean, you can really have a debate about what sharing means. It, but, it was okay, a valiant that, effort, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> but I, 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 I lost that. But you know what? Maybe this interview and this podcast is going is to start a movement uh, to, <laughs> to reclaim the word. And then the experience as well. It, it, we, ha- we have a lot of experiences. I mean, over the course of the past year, we probably have like um, more than 3.5 million um, of nights of exchanges. So, so we, we have a lot of people um, using the website and, and doing exchanges in roughly 120 countries. So we have a lot of different experiences. And, and we have some experiences, you know, about people going to um, California, like a French family going to California, and the host had prepared like a surfboard of the right size for each of the three kids in the family with like a post-it for each kid with like a tips on how to do some surfing. We have some some stories of members, you know, like uh, uh, realizing that that for instance, um, uh, they had forgotten their coat um, in in a home that was like a secondary home, and then, so the family whose home it was like driving, you know, like six hours one way, six hours the other way to go get the coat, and then post it for free to uh, to the family who received it. We we had like all kinds of, of great stories of of people just behaving. People behaving like people. I think that, you know, by and large, people are nice and, and a lot of people are, are very trustworthy that if you're not, you know, putting too much money in the equation, you have a very 
natural way of, of behaving and, and of sort of going the extra mile out of kindness. Um, and if everybody does that and reciprocates, then, then it really creates a special community. Yeah. So not the typical, um, you're not going to get the homemade jams and the custom surfboards and all that at, at your, at the hotel chain, you know, exactly. <laughs> beach or whatever. Well, a good example of that is that in, um, more than 20% of the cases, people are also, um, sharing their cars. So oh, that's really? something I've already done. For instance, yeah, I, I did like an exchange in uh, in Toulouse, and and I arrived, and so it was a house that was like perfect for for me and my kids. So I had at the time I had two kids, um, a toddler and a baby, and so you know the, the the pool was protected the right way, the the stairs were protected the right way. There was um, which we didn't have like a, a how do you call it like a a projector with um like some cartoons that that you could that you could put because they, they use that for their kids and so my kids had never had that so they were crazy about it and they let us use their car which had two car seats of the right age for my kids because it was just a family with kids the same age and it seemed like a very natural thing like okay they had kids the same age so they had car seats you know big deal but the fact is that when you're a family traveling and you don't have to worry about the stroller, the high chair, the, oh my gosh. Um, whether the, the house is going to be childproof and not that kind of thing. It really helps you have a great vacation and, and save some money also. Yeah, no, I know. And, and obviously you have all different types of people that are members of the communities, not just families. But um, I, I'm just thinking back to a trip to Mexico I took. And there's a picture of uh, my uh, buddy and I with, our kids and we have like literally what looks like a mountain of bags and strollers and things all piled up uh, between us it's like a mini mount everest of uh of backpacks and we're like we're all about traveling minimally and you know only doing a carry-on and all this stuff so this is like the antithesis of how we normally travel if we were on our own or you know even just you know if i was just with my wife or something like that yeah, it's funny. So that's that's huge. Yeah, that that can be a another great thing about it. Yeah, it. Yeah. Do you have to own a home to participate? I mean, that was the other question because yeah. I'm sure there's some people listening to that. Maybe there's a lot of people who who are listening to it. So um, we are in 187 countries, and it depends in terms of legislation um, by country. But by and large, in the U.S., um, the way it works is that. If your lease does not explicitly say that you cannot do home exchange, then yes, you can do a home exchange because the um, the nature of the transaction is non-financial. You're not making money out of the um, home. You're not subrenting. Basically, virtually all leases um, preclude you from subrenting um, and, and because it's, it's sort of a, a financial loss for the owner of the home, whereas exchanging um, in in the vast majority of cases, there's no issue, except um, there, there, there can be two cases. In some cases, it's mentioned in the lease explicitly, in which case you could contact your, your homeowner and, and your, your landlord and see if you can get that change. In the other case, it's sometimes in um, homeowner associations. They've um, put home exchanging in the same bag as um, rentals. And because there's a lot of problems with rentals, there's a number of homeowner associations around the country which are sort of, you know, making sure that their their members cannot rent um, short term. And so sometimes they put um, home exchange in the same bag. And so we're reaching out to them. Um, and, you know, if it's your case, we're, we're happy to reach out to your homeowner association to explain the difference um, because it's a very, very different experience. Okay, great. And what is the cost? Because I know you guys are a for-profit company. So yep. uh, just so people can know how that works. 
So you pay $150 per year and you are a member and you can do as many exchanges as possible. And so the way it works is you can join the website for free, create your profile for free, um, create your home for free, start contacting people for free. And then once there's like a match and you want to finalize your exchange, that's when you pay your $150. So basically you're not taking any kind of financial risk until you have a, a finalized exchange that, you know, you, you know that if you click and enter your, your credit card details, you'll be able to go for a week in, in France, in, in Utah, or in, um, in Brazil. Um, so wherever you want to go. And then it's just an annual fee. So you can do as many exchanges as you want. A, a lot of our members um, do more than 100 um, nights of exchange per year. Um, and I'm thinking of people who are, um, for instance, um, either empty nesters or retired. So they have a lot of time. Um, to travel and it's a great way for them to to be able to to travel uh, all over so I'm, I'm thinking of a of a couple i know um doug and barbara who are in marblehead not not very far from boston and they do three months of travel each year with home exchange this year i think they're still in argentina as we speak so they're doing argentina and they're going to organize like between five to to ten um home exchanges back to back in the various parts of the of the country um, so that's one way of, of using the website. We also have some some people who are more like families, and they're going to use it typically, you know, one or two weeks plus like you know one or two long weekends during the year. Um, except for the families who are doing uh, uh, unschooling, so we have some some members who are doing unschooling, so they they can you know sort of travel around um, because they don't have school for the kids, and and sometimes they have like you know jobs which they can do just an internet connection. Um, they're like freelancers, translators, designers, that kind of thing. And so we have some members like that who are also doing a hundred days per year, even though they have like a family with two kids, um, and they're, they're, they're swinging it. Um, so, so it's really great. I was really excited to share this because I feel like this is underutilized in the sort of the long-term travel, digital nomad, remote work, even gap year, if you want to say community, like a, a lot of the listeners that are, um, into longer term or even shorter longer term or full-time travel, we talk a lot about some of the other ways, but this is something that allows you to, you know, you could still have your home base and use it to help you also achieve your travel goals. And I love that you guys set it up that you don't get charged until you actually set up an exchange. So the fact that you can go on and, and do all that and become a part of it and get into the community and find something that works. And even if that's you know, six months down the road or whatever, your trip's coming up, then you don't pay the annual fee to them, which is essentially as much as it costs for like one decent hotel room for a night, right? (laughs) Which is kind of a no-brainer to me. (laughs) And what you were saying about the gap here, I just wanted to to add that we have like, I don't know the exact number, but we have like a number of families. I'm sorry, I'm talking about families again. But we have a number of families each year who do like a full year of home exchange around the world. Like it's, it's sort of a thing in the community to do like your whole year around the world with home exchange. And, and because it's such a cheap way of traveling, a lot of our members do it. What are you most proud of with what you've created here? Uh, well, being uh, featured on the Zero to Travel podcast. <laughs> uh, the um, correct answer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, folks. No, no, really. What are you most proud of? <laughs> well, I got to say the, the community, and I can't take all the credit for it. I mean, um, first of all, because, uh, you know, there's many of us working at the company and, and, and making sure that um, the community is happy and thriving and growing. 
Um, and also because, as I told you, I, I acquired a number of com competing websites because a lot of people around the world have had this idea since it's so simple of, of doing a home exchange. Like what we're doing, which is pretty novel, is really bringing it at scale and coming with all kinds of guarantees, you know, with a, like a million dollar guarantee in your home and that kind of thing. And so the, the fact that we're able to take this you know, generous concept and bringing it at scale with a community of people who respectfully treat other others' homes is, is something that I'm very proud of and very grateful for because, you know, it's, it's always the, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if you build a website but nobody comes, you, you haven't achieved much. What, what's really great is all the people who are using it, loving it, who are, you know, sending us messages saying, saying that there's that it was life-changing to them. And then we even have, so the, the Home Exchange website was started in 1992. Well, the company was started in 1992, the, the website in 1997. And so now we have second generation home exchangers coming to us saying like, oh, I was a kid of a home exchanger and it was really important as a part of my life growing up because that's how we traveled with, with my parents and now I wanna do it. And, and so I think that having a community that's very, very dedicated, like we don't have many members who who stop doing home exchange, what, what usually happens is that once people have grown comfortable with the concept, they're gonna check home exchange before any other type of travel because it's so cheap and because there, there's so many benefits of you know having a whole home to yourself and sometimes a car. And so people are very, very loyal to to our community and and that's that's something uh, that I'm I'm both proud of and humbled by or grateful for um, because it's uh, it's all these people coming together and, and making it possible. That's great. And I'm so excited to try it out. It's pretty new to me, which is why I was also excited to share it with the audience. And I've I've got some very exciting news that you already know. As you can hear, if you're listening to this, you can hear what the spirit of Home Exchange is all about and the community um, and how it works. I mean, if you listen, you, you, you already know that. And I really think that what you guys are doing matches the spirit of our community at Zero to Travel. So I wanted to say that I was really excited because we're partnering up this year. I, I really believe that this is an incredible service that can easily add more travel into your life and also give you some authentic travel experiences, if you, as you've just heard. Um, so I just wanted to let everybody know they're going to be hearing more about home exchange in the future. But uh, I just wanted to, uh, while we had you on, say thanks for that. And I thought, what better way to um, to introduce just the concept and and uh, you know, better for you to tell everybody what the community is all about than than me to kind of just let everybody know that you guys are out there and available as a as another awesome tool to travel the world. So um, yeah, I'm excited and and thank you. Well, we're we're very excited too, and and thanks a lot for for um, you know, considering us and accepting us as a partner. And, and now I guess the next thing which excites me is to hear about your own uh, home exchange. <laughs> I can't wait to try it out, and I can tell you because I you know interact with a lot of people in our community here that listen, and you're you're getting a great, incredible group of people here that are that are coming in. So just so you know, oh, great. <laughs> I, I think they're going to fit right in into, into, into our community. So yeah, you can just go to uh, homeexchange.com if you want to check it out and uh, or you can just Google it and find it uh, very easily. Last question. I mean, if if I'm uh, you know picking up like a bottle of French wine tonight, what I'm always I get to the French wine section in the in the store and I just get a little lost. So I'm just like, oh, let me just go over here to the Argentinian Malbec or like, you know, I know what that is, but like the French wine section is a little confusing to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> any tips? It uh, I, I can fully understand that because, you know, wines in France um, are organized by region. So you sort of have to have like a map of France 
Um, whereas here in the U.S., it's by um, grape. Um, so, you know, uh, Chardonnay or Sauvignon or that kind of thing. Whereas in France, you're going to talk about a Bourgogne or a Bordeaux or an Alsace wine. I like a lot, oh, it's a little bit complicated, but something called Pessac Léonien. So it's in the Bordeaux area, and they're um, very robust wines that, that go very well with cheese. So P-E-S-S-A-C um, hyphen Léonien, L-E-O. G-N-A-N. I think they, they also need to work on their marketing because it's so, so hard to pronounce. But, so so that, that, that's not the name of a chateau. It's the name of a region um, oh, yeah, in the okay. Bordeaux area. And, and since I'm also partially Italian and I come from the, the, Piemont, the Piemonte, which is a, a big wine region, that's the region of Barolo wines, B-A-R-O-L-O, Barolo, which are great wines too, and which are sort of the same in the sense that they're very um, sort of oaky, robust wines that, that I really enjoy. Awesome. So, there you go for the wine connoisseurs. And when you see me out on the G10 taking a break somewhere in some mm-hmm. small village with a big glass of red wine after a long day hiking, you're going to know where I got that recommendation now. <laughs> 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 so thank you so much for coming on the show and keep doing what you guys are doing. You got an awesome thing going and we're excited to... um you know, let people know about it. So thank you again. Oh, thanks, Jason. Long days and pleasant nights. <laughs> Same to you. And we are back for a very brief segment. I know I mentioned this at the top of the show. We're going to talk about COVID specifically since the interview was recorded pre-COVID. We're back to talk about that. So welcome back, should I say? Yeah, thanks, Jason. (laughs) The world's changed a lot since we recorded that interview, but I wanted people to just get a sense of uh, what you guys were all about. And I know they're probably as excited as I am about Home Exchange. Of course, now being the pandemic and and COVID and all that stuff, we want to make sure that people are safe and want to hear what you guys are doing to kind of keep travelers protected in terms of either cancellations or uh, like safety concerns. So I'm going to turn it over to you to just fill us in about what you guys have been doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a very, very different world from when we uh, last spoke, Jason. Uh, I can tell you that. Regarding travel, I think the first type of thing we, we did was really to uh, make sure we could help our members through the cancellations, um, because we had a lot of cancellations, as you can imagine, um, through the months of uh, March, April, May, and a little bit of June. One of the great things with Home Exchange is that we have this point system so that as a host, what you earn are points. And as a guest, what you spend are points instead of money, since you're not paying anything except the yearly subscription. And what we decided is that the hosts would get to keep the points and that we would credit the same number of points to the guest back so that we were, in fact, making both sides happy um, because the, the host was planning on using those points for a future trip and they could still have the points because they had you know, opened their doors. And uh, the guests could still get their points because they had not been able to to go there because of the COVID. And so we wanted to make sure that they would be able to travel in the future. And that has been really great for us because the membership has been very, very happy. All the members were, were um, extremely pleased with this policy. And it has enabled us, for instance, to have a much uh, higher rating in a trust pilot. Um, we, we increased to uh, 4.5 out of 5 because uh, people were so grateful and and. I think in a very traumatizing period where you have to rethink your your holiday and more often than not your professional life, 
um, having um, the um, safety of having those points back and being able to use them in the future made people feel good. And and it, it was a nice change compared to a lot of other players in the tourism industry where because it was money, they had to either, you know, give it to the host or give it back to the guest or the, the airline had to keep it or give it back to you. But it couldn't be in two places at the same time. Um, so, 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 so that, that was a, a good thing for us. Um, another thing which we've, um, dedicated a lot of resources to is to, um, foster the community bond between, uh, our members. Um, it started by, by very simple things such as changing our logo. We went from, you know, home exchange to, um, stay at home and, and we crossed out the exchange to really, um, give that message to our members that they shouldn't be trying to do home exchanges during the, the worst of the um, COVID period. And we send them a lot of emails and use our social networks around a campaign that was called um, Stay Home, Keep Exchanging. Because one of the great things about home exchanging is that you meet people and that those people are, are, are great people and that you can discover a culture, discover um, a, a place um, through the eyes of a local. And that's something that you could still do through um, videos, through sharing. And so there were, there were some um, games organized and all kinds of, uh, of ways for the people to you know, share recipes or do um, a collaborative you know, singing in the rain video about you know, how um, we can still be singing despite all, all the COVID um, with um, members from all over the world. So we, we try to foster this sense of community and sort of build on it. Um, so, so that people would uh, keep on dreaming about their next vacation and be, be part of the home exchange community. And then, of course, we've looked a, a lot um, that's more towards the reopening uh, around uh, safety and uh, cleanliness, which is um, a, a concern for, for a lot of people um, these days. And what we found out is that uh, actually a lot of people are a lot more comfortable doing a home exchange and they are going to a hotel or, uh, of course, a, a cruise because they can have sort of a family unit and have their own place um, for the vacation. And so they don't need to uh, worry as much when they're you know, touching the buttons of an elevator or that kind of thing or sharing a meal in the, the common place of a restaurant because they're, they're, they have their own flat or their own home. And so that the cleanliness aspect is important, but not as important as it would be for um, if you were using another type of uh, uh, another type of accommodation. So what we've done is we've partnered with a cleanliness company. We've um, written a um, checklist of the best practices, and we've tried to educate our members that way. But what we found out is that um, cleanliness was actually not their top priority because they understood that because of the home exchange concept, you are not going in a place that has been um, filled with germs before by a lot of people going through the, the, the common hall of the hotel. But you are in a family unit where there was a family that you know was – um, being very careful, and then you can talk with them to make sure of how careful they were, and then you will be the only family using that that place. And there's not going to be another family right after you because home exchangers usually, you know, exchange their homes maybe once or twice during the vacation, but not um, on an ongoing basis as you would have with a with a short-term rental company. That's great. Thanks for uh, sharing all those initiatives and, and the policies that you guys put into place. And I mean, it sounds like I you know I thought this was important to bring up because. We can look at it and say, well, hey, well, that happened and that's the past. But as we all know, this thing can come back again yeah. and again that's and fine. maybe again. We don't know. So we want to make sure that you as travelers are prepared and you understand if you guys are going to do home exchange. If you're going to do home exchanges, be a part of the community, then you understand how it works. So I'm assuming a lot of these policies that you guys put into place are going to come into play again if things ramp up again. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and I think we're in a different world. Like, you know, whether or not a country has a high level of COVID, um, I think the, the cleaning practices that we're all learning, the sort of social distance, distancing is going to be here for to stay for, for quite some time. So they're on our website where we're helping our members and training them in the, the, the right way to take care of their home. And we'll know it will serve them well to, to protect their health and that of their families. Great. And I think one of the things people, I know what jumps to my head when I immediately thought of exchanging homes, I always think of, oh, I, I'm going to go to this other country and, you know, swap mm-hmm. homes or whatever. But obviously, you guys are everywhere. So if you want to just drive a couple hours from your home or if you're in the US and you're driving just over to the next state or a few hours down the road, you can still do this, right? I mean, yeah, is this what a lot that, of people are doing fine. right now? Yeah, that's one of our, our, our um, you know, we're lucky to have that as a community is that since we're all over the world, um, me living in Boston, I can do a home exchange in uh, Maine. And that's great because I can drive there with my kids, um, have a great um, family home um, next to a lake, for instance, or next to the seashore and have a great vacation. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for these days. Um, it's something that we're that's within driving distance. Um, and since there's you know more than 400,000 homes on the website, there, there's a lot of chances that there's a suitable home for you and your family, um, not very far, that you can drive to. And so we're, we're clearly seeing a big drop in international home exchanges um, this summer and a huge spike in um, you know within five-hour drive from home. Where can I go for, for my vacation? And that's where I'm going to organize my next exchange. Well, cool. Thanks for popping back in and giving us some clarification around what you guys are doing to keep everybody in the community safe. And it's probably, before I let you go, I mean, it's probably as good of a time as any to let people know we're partnering up here. For, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I haven't it. said anything yet because I wanted people to kind of like learn for themselves what you guys do. But, you know, we're at Zero to Travel podcast audience. I mean, we're all about if we can get a... Uh, you know, accommodations and be part of a global community, exchange homes easily, seamlessly, and without any money changing hands. That's definitely with the spirit and the vibe of our community. So you guys have been kind enough to an extend a uh, 10% off in all currencies promo code to the listeners of this show. And that's just 010, Z-E-R-O-10. And if you uh, join up, then you're going to get 10% off. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit more about how the promo code works? So since you're here, I might as well... Have you explain it? <laughs> oh yeah, um, well it, it's really um, it, it's really easy. You know, you can join um, Home Exchange for free, so you can create your profile, start sending messages, and when you find uh, the the right um, exchange partner, when you f- want to finalize your exchange, that's when you have to take your subscription. You know, when you're in your cart and you and you say pay, basically, you can just type in your your promo code, and the the ten percent will apply automatically. And uh, it will be a great way also for, for us to track how active the, the Zero to Travel community is and is becoming a part of the home exchange community, which is uh, we're going to be very excited to see. There are so many great things that you guys are doing. And as I kept learning, getting to know you and learning about your your intentions behind what you're building and that it is community driven and all that stuff is super important to me. And I know that's going to resonate with the community as well. So we're super excited to be partnering up with you guys. You're going to hear uh, more from them in, in future episodes. And that discount code, again, uh, the promo code is 010. So you can sign up for free. But when you do your first exchange, you can just pop that in and uh, get 10% off just for being a listener of this show. Thank you Thanks, so Jason. much. And uh, yeah, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast family. <laughs> Yay. Well, welcome to the home exchange family. Then. <laughs> I can't wait to do my first exchange. I'm so pumped for it. So I'm going to I'm going to get that one in the books when uh, 
when I can. Uh, I know I have two kids now. You know, you've got you've got some kids. A little crazy right now with the small kids, but uh, I will be. You'll be hearing more about that. So, um, thank you again very much for joining us. Thanks. Take care. So there you go. Thanks once again to Emmanuel Arnaud for stopping by the show. These Europeans, they always speak so many languages. I mean, I'm having a hard time just speaking one extra language. I mean, I have a hard time speaking English sometimes. If you listen to the podcast, you already know that. So, <laughs> hey, you got to laugh at yourself, right? You got to laugh at yourself. Okay, I have a shout out to... Stephanie. (laughs) She said, hi, Jason. My name is Stephanie. I live in Canada. I just wanted to reach out and tell you that I've enjoyed listening to your podcast for the past few months and I've gone back to listen to some of your older episodes as well. I especially enjoy when you interview more longer term nomadic type travelers. Cool. She goes on to say, I've been lucky enough to do some of my own traveling, but I have to balance it with being a mom and ER nurse. So I have never been able to go away for more than three weeks at a time. I'm an ultra runner and I have been able to do self-supported stage races in Mozambique, Vietnam, and a supported adventure in Tanzania. More recently, I am married to a Colombian Canadian and have a passion for travel in Colombia. We are hoping to move there permanently in the next few years. So congratulations. She does have a podcast called Running Divine, which is all about uh, ultra running. So I just wanted to give her uh, a shout out there. And yeah, well done. You got a lot going on. I mean, I don't know how you have time for all that. And you know, running all these crazy long distances, all the travel, uh, being an ER nurse. I mean, that in and of itself, uh, what we've just been through. I just wanted to give you, yeah, thank you from all of us here at the community for everything that you've been doing during uh, the COVID-19. I'm sure it's been pretty crazy in the ER and uh, right on the front lines there. So much love to you and to all the uh, essential workers out there who put themselves in harm's way, really, to take care of business for us and for society. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, before I let you go, I'm going to pull out a quote from the drawer here. Can you hear the drawer opening? I'm not sure if the audio picks up on that. Here, I'll here, I'll slam it. Maybe, maybe you caught that. All right, this is the quote drawer. When I find some uh, nice quotes from this little Zen calendar I have, I pop them in the quote drawer, and then I just pull one out at random. And uh, I've got one here. That says, in oneself lies the whole world. And if you know how to look and learn, then the door is there and the key is in your hand. That is a quote from Krishnamurti. There you go. I'll leave you with that. And have a wonderful day wherever you are. Smile. Take a little chance today. Enjoy yourself. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 